Welcome back to another episode of the Zach and Jack Sports Betting Podcast. I'm Zach. I am Jack. And I'm Keith. And guys, it is November 8th, 2020, college football after dark. We are recording an extra episode this week to give a brief recap of our college football locks. After six episodes, we are now 7-9-1 on the season in college football for minus 2.64 units. We went 4-0 in our college football locks this Saturday, 4-1 for the week, and a great Saturday of college football week 10. Guys, all the teams we like won. Notre Dame somehow won. Don't ask me how, but crazy day, and it should be even better going into NFL Sunday week 9. Yeah, and we're over 500 now, 15 and 14 and one overall in the year. I am off the hot seat. You can unfade me because I went 2-0 and this Saturday and I'm rolling. He finally did it, guys. Uncursed. Yeah, fade Zach was fully in effect this week. Zach proved himself a better man than his uh, record indicated. Back on the upswing, I still think fade Zach might be in effect next week, but we'll have to see what happens with his pick. Hey, so I don't want to admit it, but I faded Zach for the first time this season, and he goes 2-0, so maybe if I fade Zach, he'll win. We might have to keep going with that strategy. Anyways, we'll get further into depth into Zach's locks soon. Keith. 4-0-1 on the season, still undefeated. There's a reason why he's a permanent analyst now, guys. He did have one of his games postponed, Army versus Air Force this morning. We will also get into that. Keith, you've got to be feeling good. Yeah, man, I got a postponement and a push on my record so far, but other than that, no defeats. So I'm, I'm feeling really good, especially after that sweat today with Northwestern. But Jack, I do want to point out, you said it was a good week for all of us, all the teams we like won. In fact, it was a good day for us, but as far as the week, which started earlier, Thursday game didn't really turn out so hot for you. We did go 4-0 on Saturday. We did have one loss in our college football locks for this week. It was my pick on Thursday night, Wyoming versus Colorado State. Wyoming was a three and a half point favorite at Colorado State and that didn't go so well. So Wyoming got the ball to start the game on the third play from scrimmage. Levi Williams throws a pick six to give Colorado State a seven point advantage. The next drive, Levi Williams manages to fumble the ball, giving Colorado State the ball on the 29 yard line leading to a 14 point advantage. It was pretty much never a sweat from that point. Wyoming looked pretty bad, I'm not going to lie. They're very disappointing. Getting down big for a team that has 200 rushing yards per game doesn't really give them an advantage. Wyoming ultimately loses 34-24. to I don't think Colorado State is any good still, but I don't think Wyoming's good either, guys. Yeah, Wyoming had eight penalties for 83 yards, and they had the only three turnovers of the game. That pretty much decided it. Colorado State obviously won by 10, but had it not been for a few of those penalties and the three turnovers, Wyoming should have had that game. But it was undisciplined, like you said, and neither team looked particularly great. Keith, did you watch that at all? So yeah, I watched this whole game as well. I actually took some action on Wyoming. You know, we were really confident, all three of us in Wyoming, coming out of this game, not only for winning straight up, but the various spreads that they had going on. It just seemed with the way that the translative property was applied that Wyoming was a way better team than Colorado State. And that did not pan out. It was a very sloppy game from the uh, Cowboys. And yeah, that made us look pretty foolish. And I know Zach just briefly mentioned about the penalties. Uh, Wyoming also had more penalties in the first half of this game than they had in their prior two games combined. A lot of boneheaded plays. They're driving down the field one series, and sure enough, after a first down, a guy spikes the ball, and they get a 15-yard penalty, and stupid stuff like that. It was really, really hard to watch. Levi Williams is huge, but if you put any pressure on him, it's like he wanted some social distancing in the backfield, because whenever he had no pressure on him, he could throw against that secondary all day. I still don't think Colorado State's very good, but if you 
take away the 14 points off of turnovers, Wyoming technically would have covered the three and a half, but if my aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle, guys. So moving on from that, clearly no one thinks my jokes are funny. Army versus Air Force. Keith had Army minus five and a half. That game was postponed. We might have a bonus lock after we finish up a recap of our college football games. Before we move into any further games from our locks, Keith brought it up really early since all of us were really excited to have a full slate of games today. But the Pac-12 had USC versus Arizona State in the 9 a.m. time slot. Under 57 and a half was a bet that we liked before the game once we finally realized that this game started at the ass crack of dawn. And we would have made some money had we bet it. Stayed away from it. Pretty weird game from the Pac-12. Either of you guys had a chance to watch this at all? I did not watch this, but yeah, I was. I got up early this morning. I was watching College Game Day, and they had mentioned USC and Arizona State kicking off at 9 a.m. local, noon Eastern, and I was like, whoa, I didn't even know that was possible. So apparently they got up at 4.30 in the morning, made their way over to the stadium at like 6.15. Just a ridiculous setup for a game. I had commented it was kind of like the inverse of Midnight Madness in college basketball, except starting way the hell too early to play a football game. But yeah, man, whoever took the under on that and was cognizant enough to realize that a Pac-10 game was kicking off that early, man. You made off like a bandit. I caught the end of this game after my lock was done for the morning. USC had to score two touchdowns in the last two minutes to win. It looked to be like a pretty good game, all things considered. So under hitting, good play there. And that game also ended in the last two minutes with some crazy action. Like you said, there was uh, 14 points by USC. One of those touchdowns came off of a tipped pass. Kind of crazy ending. Just the start to the crazy football that we got to watch this Saturday. Moving along from crazy games. Not really that exciting, but Keith did have Northwestern minus three and a half versus Nebraska. This game was a sweat down to the last second for Northwestern to cover. Yeah, this game was your classic Big Ten football game. It was terrible, not very watchable, unless you're a fan of one of the two teams. And the only thing that really kept me from changing the channel was that, you know, it was my lock of the week. Northwestern Wildcats led by Patrick Ramsey, 16 for 27, 169 yard, two touchdown, two pick performance. It was just so bad. So uh, Northwestern came out swinging. Um, they actually scored on their uh, first possession of the game. No other points in the first quarter. Then Nebraska Nebraska proceeds to hang 13 on Northwestern in the second. And from there, man, I'm starting to feel the pressure, starting to feel the heat. But an interesting statistic came out during this game was that Northwestern has a scoreless streak. They have not allowed on defense any second half points going into last year. They lived up to that this game. They scored a touchdown in the third and the fourth quarter and didn't allow Nebraska in the end zone to the point where actually uh, Adrian Martinez of Nebraska was 12 for 27 with 125 and a pick. So he didn't do a whole lot either. But anyway, we digress. Adrian didn't play all that well during the game, so much so that he was actually benched. They went to the bullpen and pulled out Luke McCaffrey for the last three drives. He was 12 for 16 for 93 yards and a pick. Uh, he's actually the younger brother of Christian McCaffrey, son of Ed McCaffrey of Denver Broncos fame. Uh, he was not playing like Christian or Ed today, could not lead his team to victory. Came down to the final drive, Northwestern really gave up some big plays in Nebraska, and Nebraska was threatening in the red zone till the very end. But but got them to turn it over on downs and Northwestern escapes with an eight point win and your boy escapes with a lock. So Keith went 1-0 and with his college football locks for this week in a very boring Big Ten game that was still somehow a sweat down to the end. It was awful. We cannot overstate how bad this game was. I hate the Big Ten so much, but if it's going to be making me money, I'll keep picking their games. That's all it really comes down to. 
and then moving into games that were a little more exciting. We were all watching this one, rooting for the underdog. Zach taking his first college football lock victory of the season. Liberty versus Virginia Tech covering easily. Zach, I know you've got to be feeling good. Yeah, I was pumped. I did think they were going to cover, and cover they did. So Liberty came out of the gates firing. They scored the first touchdown. Virginia Tech answered with a field goal. Liberty went down, scored another touchdown. They were up 14-3. to Everything was looking good. Jackson's like, I think you finally got one. It's a lock. (laughs) Jackson was hyping me up. I was, when he said that though, I was a little pissed. I was like, they are going to find a way to blow this because I'm cursed. Sure enough, Virginia Tech scored the next 17 points. Malik Willis, who is a stud, by the way, after this game, he's got to be starting to get some national attention, maybe even some Heisman buzz. But he had a couple of bad fumbles in this game he had three on the day two in the first half that he lost and that's what led to a couple of virginia tech scores at the end of the first half so at halftime the Hokies were leading 20 to 14 i thought it was over i thought i was gonna lose the cover all of a sudden just all the momentum had shifted sure enough the liberty flames came out in the second half and they picked it right back up on offense malik willis credit to him he didn't quit running he looked impressive shout out to hendon hooker for virginia tech too it was just a quarterback battle neither defense could do a whole lot both of the quarterbacks were running all over the place they're making some good passes by the fourth quarter the cover wasn't really in doubt it just basically came down to was liberty gonna pull off the upset it comes down to like a 59 yard field goal for the flames to win it instead of just being like we'll let this play out there's no way this college kid is gonna hit a 59 yarder on the road virginia tech takes a timeout brian fuente just ices the liberty kicker right after he called the timeout they snapped the ball virginia tech blocked it returns it for a touchdown would have won the game right there and instead they call the timeout they give the flames a second chance and sure enough the flames hit the next field goal attempt and win it by three it was an awesome game this was this game was so fun to watch i know you guys caught some of it too boy what were your thoughts the timeout actually gave the Flames a chance to rethink that long field goal, and they threw it for about 13 yards to get it closer so that the kicker wouldn't have to kick a low-line drive and get it blocked easily. And then he was able to uh, to smoke it from there. But yeah, that Liberty kicker, man, that man was yoked. Dude had pythons coming out of his sleeves. He had the wristbands around his biceps, and usually if a kicker does that, you, you know, they just look ridiculous. But this man really had the definition enough to wear those. Right, right. So uh, Liberty's <laughs> kicker, man, he's going places if not you know for kicking the man's got a career in bodybuilding can i just say how fun this year has been to root for teams that no one's ever heard of prior liberty's killing it coastal carolina i know keith you said that they've won a college world series but in terms of the football world largely unheard of marshall is now still undefeated in the top 25 uh since he is killing it covering this week there's a lot of fun teams to root for and you know lsu lost mississippi state which mississippi state struggled to beat vanderbilt this week so it's kind of nice to see some teams like virginia tech and nebraska and these other big names schools losing having said all of that another team that was a huge favorite penn state losing to maryland in zach's second college football lock having maryland cover 25 points yeah this this game yeah 35 19 was the final score maryland was up 14 nothing after the first quarter 28 to 7 at end of the first half 35 to 7 going into the fourth quarter maryland dominated them i don't know what is up with penn state they look like they don't even care about football this year maybe it's because 
they started the year 0-2. I thought they would at least have a little bit of fight in them. They really didn't. The defense wasn't good. Talia Tungavailoa was having another good day. Three touchdowns, 282 yards. He didn't even need to do anything in the second half, really, to win this game. Towards the end, Sean Clifford finally started to heat up a little bit, but he threw two picks in this game. He threw 57 passes, and Penn State still lost by 16 points. So Penn State played horrible. I would have never thought to bet Maryland money line in this game. They're plus 1,200, I think, it closed at. That never even crossed my mind, but I just thought 25-point dog was a little bit unreasonable for 0-2 team against a 1-1 team. So I thought that was an easy lock, and it turns out it was. This goes to show you guys, if you if you take a close look at the lines and you do an, a deep, in-depth analysis, the books, they don't care what the line is at as long as they get even money on both sides. Maryland had no business being a 25-point dog in this game, but people are going to bet on Penn State. That's going to be fine as long as the books can lock up their money, no matter the result. And sure enough, this was one of those lines, as well as Liberty, that was just way out of hand. Great looks from Zach. Take some teams that were big underdogs that, I mean, I don't think many people thought Liberty or Maryland would both win. Zach, what did you say the money line? parlay for those two games together was liberty closed at plus 550 and then maryland closed at plus 1200 if you parlayed those two together you would get plus 10,600 were the final odds on that so pretty pretty damn good odds a ten dollar bet would have netted you over a thousand dollars that's insane You would have made out like a bandit. And if you would have thrown Indiana onto the end of that, which they closed at like plus 155, I think, that takes you at to plus 26,700. If you bet some dogs today and parlayed them up, you might be buying shots tonight at the bar. You might be buying the whole bar. Let's be real, guys. Before we move any further into our last lock of the week, Zach, I know you wanted to bring up something about the world's largest cocktail party, Georgia versus Florida. There was another incident in the Texas versus West Virginia game you also wanted to bring up real quick as well. I was watching a little bit of the Texas-West Virginia game because I'm sort of a Big 12 fan because of Kansas State, and I had a little bit of money on West Virginia covering this game, which they did. It was the second quarter. Sam Ellinger had gotten rushed, and he was down. The referee helped him up and then patted him on the ass several times and then just kind of left his hand there, copping a feel on Ellinger's caboose. And it was, I mean, this guy shot a shot. I don't know if he got his number or if they worked things out the rest of the game. Texas did win. I was going to say, if you didn't see the fourth quarter, there was definitely an agreement for something to happen after the game but yeah but that was uh that was pretty sus and so if you need to check that video out you can find it on twitter it's all over and then moving on to the florida georgia game this was a pretty good game it was a wild game i didn't expect this many points florida looks pretty good stetson bennett's terrible for georgia georgia went to the bullpen just like nebraska did yeah georgia bench the stetson bennett late in the game yeah they should have done that about week one probably <laughs> In the first quarter of this game, Georgia was up 7 nothing, and Bennett actually completed one of his few good passes of the day. But number 81 for Georgia is running into the end zone, tripped up at about the two-yard line, falls in, touchdown Georgia, dogs are up 14, let's go baby. But behold his leg, which is hanging sideways off of his body. And number seven, oblivious to this information, stands over him. You hope it's a cramp. You almost got to hope it's a cramp, don't you, if you're a Cowboy fan right there? but It's not. Number seven is tapping on his helmet and shoulder pads, trying to pull him up to celebrate. Meanwhile, this man's leg is sideways, and let's be honest, it's it's a, it could be a career ender. I hope not, heaven forbid, but T's and P's for this young man. It was a gnarly injury, and it, the video of his homie celebrating the touchdown for him while he is in agony is... It's an all-timer, so if you don't have a weak stomach, check that out. If you do, I mean, maybe still check it out. It's a banger.
I will say, do not check that out. I was looking at the Sam Ellinger referee butt pat and then happened to scroll up on Zach's timeline on Twitter. Saw this by accident and it almost made me cry. I do not do well with injuries. It was awful. It was very traumatic. If you do not like broken bones and stuff flopping around that should not be flopping around, do not view this. By the way, number 81 for Georgia. His name is Marcus Rosemi Jacksaint. So T's and P's to Marcus. Speaking of Twitter, let's go ahead and just give a little quick shout out to our social media guys. If you want to follow what we are up to in between episodes and also where we post all of our locks every week, we are available on Twitter and Instagram at ZNJSB Podcast. This is a bonus episode. This is our second episode of the week and first time we've done this, but we do post weekly episodes available now on YouTube and Stitcher, as well as all other platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Moving along into the game of the week, Notre Dame versus Clemson. I had over 51 and a half, but that's not what's most important. Keith, I'm sure you still have slight adrenaline going on from that game because what an ending. Great game to cap off a great Saturday of college football. Slight adrenaline is is quite the understatement. So I actually posted my Fitbit data on Twitter, my heart rate data from 8.30 onward. It's just a steady climb and then it just rockets upward toward the end. That's probably about 90 beats a minute for a good hour and a half there. Watching this game was in fact a cardiovascular workout for me. I was in some good zones right there with my, uh, with my heart uh, because this game did not take its foot off the gas in terms of the adrenaline the whole way. The Irish actually let the, the Tigers back into it late. Very stressful for me, but the Irish got the win. I'm quite happy about it. Let's, let's get into it in some more detail. More importantly than Notre Dame getting the win, I redeemed myself from my Thursday night struggle with Wyoming and hitting that over 51 and a half. Can I just briefly say, I did say I liked Notre Dame plus five and a half. I did like Notre Dame money line. I don't like either of these teams, but it's always fun to watch the number one team lose. And I think it's going to make for a better story later on whenever we get closer to the ACC championship game or the playoffs. Trevor Lawrence is out there. I don't know if this game necessarily goes the same way, but it was a great game to watch. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's not disrespect DJ Uangalele because that man played out of his mind. He had 439 yards passing. He was really the only good part about Clemson's game because Travis Etienne did nothing but fumble the ball in plus territory. Clemson's defense couldn't stop me if I was out there. So, I mean, Trevor Lawrence may have made a difference if he was playing, but also let's not disrespect Notre Dame because they just played a really well, really good, really sound game overall against the refs too. I was just going to say, I, I've never ever seen the influence over the referees that Dabo Sweeney has. Very clear pass interference calls being picked up, makeup calls that don't matter for Notre Dame whenever Clemson has three holding penalties that go missed on three consecutive plays. Notre Dame did not only beat Clemson, they beat the refs. Yeah, I'm not really one to blame the refs. I mean, I think the pass interference call was egregious. It's one of those plays that it could go either way, but the flag was thrown and then it was picked up. I think that if the flag's not thrown, then it's one thing. And if the flag is thrown, you know, you got to stick with that play. I mean, really, it shouldn't have even come down to that. Late in the game, with a chance to tie it, Ian Book, down in the red zone, fumbles the ball into the end zone late. He was wrapped up. But as a ball carrier, man, you really have to put an emphasis on ball security. uh, Because at that point, he's a runner, no longer a quarterback. And he fumbled the ball straight into the end zone. There was no Notre Dame player around to uh, jump on it. 
and a Clemson defender was able to recover it in the end zone for a touchback. I honestly thought that was the backbreaker right there. Uh, Notre Dame forced Clemson into a punt. Uh, Clemson's win probability was actually 98.5 at 1 minute and 48 seconds to go. Punted back to Notre Dame. Uh, the Irish went down the field, were able to score uh, in just enough time and keep DJ Uangalele from driving down the field with a handful of seconds left to potentially win the game. This thing went into overtime and in true Notre Dame fashion, they give up a touchdown on the first play of overtime. Uh, but they were able to matriculate the ball down the field into the end zone on their possession of overtime. They flip the field, Notre Dame goes first. They're able to once again matriculate the ball into the end zone on a nice three-yard punch by Kyron Williams, who had a fantastic game. And uh, the defense came out swinging, man. They came out with two sacks and were able to force a turnover on downs, thereby ending the game. Came out 47-40. to The under really had no chance whatsoever in this game. Yeah, absolutely great game. I know you're really happy. Worked out that our lock hit as well as a couple bets that we had. I had Notre Dame plus five and a half as well. I know that you had a small bet on Notre Dame money line. I had Notre Dame money line plus 170. So I'm feeling it, you know, both from the team win standpoint and, you know, my wallet's feeling pretty good right now too. I just for the record, I want to say Keith made sure to not send the screenshot of the fact that he bet Notre Dame money line until after the game was over. It was almost like I'm not even going to go into politics. <laughs> Before we move on, we are going to briefly share a NFL lock. Before we get into that, just want to stop real quick because the Triple C's, baby, they're on a streak. They cover today, 16 and a half. I know the line moves, so a couple people missed out. I made money on the Triple C's winning. Go Shants, baby. Still undefeated. I'm really excited because now that we know Liberty is legit and they're undefeated as well, Coastal Carolina will be matching up with Liberty later in the season. Isn't that the last game of the year, Zach? Yeah, this is the last game they play. I'm really hoping both of them are undefeated going into that game, which is a good possibility. I know Liberty has NC State before then, but other than that, they have UMass and maybe one other team that's not very good. Triple C's have App State next week, and that's going to be a tough one for them. But they can pull that out, and Liberty can beat NC State. Man, we're looking at a hell of a matchup in the in the final week of the year. I know all of us really like Coastal Carolina, but it seems like as much shit as we talked about Liberty in the last episode that we're kind of all jumping on the Liberty bandwagon as well. If you had to pick, gentlemen, Liberty versus Coastal Carolina today, who do you have winning that game? Well, I think I have to ride or die with Liberty. They got me my first win in college as far as the locks go this year. I think I, I got to stick with them. I think Malik Willis is legit. I don't know how good Coastal Carolina's defense is. So I bet it'd be a track meet, but I think... Their defense is way better than their offense. Their defense only gave up six points today, and last week they gave up zero points. Who did they play today? South Alabama? Don't you come at me with South Alabama. Quit using logic here, all right? This is emotional betting. We are talking about the teams that have no business being even in the conversation for playoffs being talked about, like Liberty, Cincinnati, Coastal Carolina, Marshall. I know Keith has got to be on the Coastal Carolina bandwagon still, right, Keith? Or are you switching over to Liberty if you had to pick between the two. Jack, I got to be logical on this one, man. Fact of the matter is Liberty pulled out a hell of a win today. Looking at the results of what we just had this week, I I've got to go with Liberty if they play it today. I'm sticking with the Triple C's, but I really do hope both of these teams went out so that way we have a full episode where we can only talk about that game. It'd be absolutely amazing. Name throwers out, baby. Oh, flames. Hey, I've lost no love for the shots, man. If they go undefeated, I think they get in the playoff based on heart. And also, they made me $500 early this year. So I just think logically, it's got to be Liberty. 
we can only hope for the best. Anyways, guys, it is week nine in the NFL. We do have one NFL lock to share, but we will save that. Saints versus Bucks are playing on Sunday night football. Zach, I know you were considering Steelers versus Cowboys minus 14 and a half for the Steelers. Are you still considering that or are you just going to ride out? Are you just going to go to Disney World this week and take this 2-0 victory Saturday into the sunset? The Steelers' offense and defense is really good. They just beat the Ravens, and the week before that, they beat the undefeated Titans. So Steelers' last undefeated team. Cowboys, one of the worst teams in the league at this point. I do really like this line. I am not going to lock it up, and I'm just going to ride my 2-0 Saturday, but I, I do like this game a lot. Saw a couple lines that I liked, but I think ultimately I'm not going to lock anything up for the NFL. I am looking forward to a number of games, even though I don't have a ton of action. Steelers money line and the Patriots money line on Monday Night Football both seem like locks to me. I have both of those games in a parlay with a couple of college football games from Saturday. Saints versus Bucks on Sunday Night Football. This should be a great game between the two best quarterbacks in NFL history. These two guys every week are going back and forth between who has the career passing touchdown total record. I think this should be a great game. I'll just be watching as a avid fan of the Houdat Nation. Either of you guys taking any action on this game? I've seen a lot of props on touchdowns for who's going to have the most and then over-unders on yards. The books are definitely trying to send out some promos to get some action on this game. Yeah, no thank you. I said I was going to watch the Notre Dame game as a fan and not put any money on it. And then, you know, I decided at the last minute to go ahead and bet Notre Dame money line. But this is one that I am not taking. The NFL, there's a lot more parity. Team can win by a touchdown at any given moment. That spread is just not one that I like. So I'm just going to enjoy it. I mean, it's, it's shaping up to be a good game. Drew Brees, he's got a shoulder ailment, but he's playing. Michael Thomas should be back and healthy. So it looks like the full complement of the Saints offensive weapons should be around. So it's looking like a it'll be a good game i'm staying away from this game now i'm excited to watch it especially after the bucks looked pretty bad against the giants last week but i, I just don't trust the saints i think tom brady's gonna bounce back this week play a little bit cleaner game so i'm excited to watch it but i'm not gonna bet this one it does seem largely that the winner of this game will ultimately be the champion of the NFC South this year. The Saints did beat the Bucks earlier in the season, and the Bucks have been kind of sporadic. We did see them tear up the Green Bay Packers a couple weeks ago, but on Monday Night Football last week versus the Giants, they looked pretty bad. So who knows what team's going to show up. The Bucks could come out stomping the Saints, go up by 14, or they could do what they did in the first matchup and go down by 14 really quick. So that should be really exciting. That is Sunday Night Football this week, Saints versus Buccaneers. Expect a really good game for that probably would bet the under if i had to just because if everybody thinks it's going to be a high scoring game it's usually going to move the line so maybe wait till the game starts to take that bet if you do like it monday night football not as exciting of a game the new england patriots who are probably having their worst season in the past 20 years are playing the new york jets who are having a, an average season from the jets perspective and keith has a lock for that game that he would like to share to make up for the fact that his army versus air force lock was postponed yeah, buddy. Something popped up today that really made me want to take an NFL lock. While I was in the middle of watching the very entertaining Liberty-Virginia Tech game, at 1.54 p.m. Eastern Time, Adam Schefter tweeted, Jets head coach Adam Gase said QB Sam Darnold won't practice today and is doubtful to play Monday against the Patriots. So I immediately texted Zach and Jack and said, I am locking the Jets under 16 and a half at minus 106 odds. So we are going to throw that in the books. I think that without Sam Darnold, the Jets have no chance at doing anything remotely uh, resembling an offense. So Joe Flacco was in there to back him up. Uh, Joe Flacco autocorrects in my phone to Joe Flaccid. Do with that what you will. 
The last couple of times he played was in weeks five and six versus the Cardinals and Dolphins when Sam Darnold had a shoulder injury that I guess is still plaguing him. Uh, week five versus the Cardinals, they scored 10 points, lost 30 to 10. Week six at the Dolphins, they were blanked 24 to nothing. The New York Jets are the reason that Tua Tungvaluwa is now starting for the Dolphins. So this Jets team has not only been an insult to human dignity, but they have also ignited the career of a promising young rookie. So I am looking at the Jets to pretty much just piddle around on the field offensively, not do a whole lot. The Patriots should pretty easily run away with this one, but I I think the Patriots will also keep the Jets largely off the board. So that is going to be Keith's bonus NFL lock for this week. Jets team total under 16 and a half. The line actually has moved over under 15 and a half as a result of the Sam Darnold news. We will have that bet posted on the Action Sports app to go along with all of our other locks. If you want to track what we are locking up each episode, handle for that is also ZNJ SB Podcast, same as our Twitter. Guys, I think that's going to wrap it up for us. We're going to try and keep this episode a little bit shorter since it is a bonus episode. Is there anything else that you guys want to touch up on? That's the Peace King Vaughn. I'm mostly just going to be enjoying games tomorrow. I don't have a whole lot of action. Just going to enjoy the day off and enjoy some football. Thanks again for listening, guys. This is Episode 7, College Football After Dark, which is kind of ironic because we record every episode after dark. But great Saturday, Week 10 college football. Tons of upsets, tons of good games, tons of good action, tons of good locks. Tons of good real-world news, too. Saturday started with a bang, and uh, it ended with a bang with Notre Dame Clemson. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for listening. That's going to do it for us. I'm Zach. And I'm Jack. And I'm Keith. And this is the Zach and Jack Sports Betting Podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. Good luck to you this Sunday. Peace. Deuces.